Hello, my name is Adam Eason. Welcome to episode 96 of Hypnosis Weekly. Hello hypnosis friends and a very warm welcome to Hypnosis Weekly. Once again in my own highly biased opinion I think I have a belter of a show lined up for you today. In a short while I'm going to be sharing with you this week's interview with my guest Sue Washington. Then we'll have this week's uh, hypnosis in the news stories examining the media where hypnosis is featured offering up some personal subjective commentary on the way that hypnosis is portrayed in the media. Um, We then return with our professional discussion with my guest uh, Sue Washington. We're going to be talking about her method, her approach, uh, sort of developed over the past 40 years. Um, And we'll round things off with this week's hypnosis evidence-based factoid before I bid you farewell for another week. As I said at the beginning of every Hypnosis Weekly episode, this podcast is something that I want to encompass a feeling of embracing diversity, celebrating the field of hypnosis and encouraging friendly, professional, enjoyable discussion and debate, as well as doing its best to inform and educate. I do not share the same stance as most of our guests and at times have major differences in approach and leaning but all are incredibly lovely people who I'd happily talk with until late in the pub and all of whom following their time here on Hypnosis Weekly I have a great deal of respect for. If you have questions, queries, thoughts or feedback, do get in touch via the Hypnosis Weekly website. All the references made in the discussions, along with the related links, are posted at each episode uh, uh, on the website www.hypnosis-weekly.com. You can add your thoughts, comments, make any suggestions there too. Please do share this podcast on Facebook, Twitter and anywhere else to help us reach more of the hypnosis community. It's greatly appreciated. And if you enjoy the podcast, please do give us a favourable rating, even a review at iTunes. Uh, I'll be a BFF if you do. And it just takes a couple of seconds, a couple of clicks to give us a favourable rating. Um, If you follow me on social media, uh, you may have seen that I'm going to be parading around the UK Hypnosis Convention this year with my brand new recording device, uh, getting snippets of audio from speakers and attendees alike um, that's going to form the content of, um, of of our upcoming 101st episode. So when we get to episode 101, uh, I'm going to be doing a very special edition of the podcast. Uh, the 101st episode, uh, you just have to wait for that one if you've not seen what I'm talking about. Um, um, on my social media channels Um, um, but I think you're going to love it I really think you're going to love it anyway I needed to test my recording equipment so I decided to bravely and boldly uh, step out onto the streets and ask some random members of the public what their favourite podcast is and and what they listen to as far as podcasts are concerned Um, and I thought I'd share that with you here because um, it it just kind of provided me with some some really interesting insight. Anyway, um, 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 here's that. Oh, hello sir. I wonder if you could tell me what your favourite podcast is. Hypnosis Weekly, Dad. Oh, hello madam. I wonder if you could tell me what your favourite podcast is. Hypnosis Weekly, Dad. 
There you go. Uh, always good to get positive feedback and external validation from objective members of the public. Uh, though I think I might need to check the recording equipment as one of those clips sounded a little bit like it was recorded in a bathroom. Um, so first of all today is this week's interview with my guest Sue Washington. Um, um, a couple of months ago I had a call from Sue about something related to the hypnotherapy world and we ended up talking uh, um, for a while about that and, and, and we talked and talked some more and by the end of the conversation I really wanted wanted to have her here on this show um, and I, I think you'll discover why for yourself. Um, so I asked her and we shared some emails, we talked some more and here she is today. Um, she's enjoyed uh, a really healthy long career in the hypnotherapy field and throughout those years has run some trainings, has toured the world um, and a great deal more besides. A very educated lady herself uh, uh, with, 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 with master's qualifications and I found her great fun, very colourful, uh, I really enjoyed hearing about some of the, the people that she's worked with throughout the years. Um, um, her, her Peace of Mind program, for example, is part of a master's um, 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 program at Liverpool, John Moores University. Anyway, let's, let's, let's get on with it, shall we? For now, get comfy, my friends. Turn up the volume. Sip on your tea. Enjoy this week's interview. <music> So, as I've just been discussing, I'm delighted to welcome this week's guest, the one and only Sue Washington. Sue, welcome to Hypnosis Weekly. Thank you. Thank you, Adam. I'm uh, glad and grateful to be here. And um, I started life as a school teacher, really, because I do like a captive audience. Great. Great, great, great. You have a you have a very captive audience here. Um, well, let's let's learn a bit about you for people that have yeah, not heard of you before sure. or, or that are just getting to know you. Uh, tell us tell us your background. How did you get into this field, uh, and what is your background, and how have you arrived at where you are now? Okay, well, about a um, hundred years ago, it feels <laughs> like I trained as a school teacher. Yeah. So in those days, uh, nineteen sixty five to nineteen sixty eight, I went and did a full-time three-year um, certificate in education which Leeds University um, awarded me and uh, I trained at a very special place called Bretton Hall which was a specialist college dealing in the arts and what have you so yeah. always loved people always loved youngsters and um, that's been awfully useful though I didn't know it would be at the time I trained for eight years and um, did a lot of work with children in schools and what have you of the hypnopsychotherapy uh, yeah. field. But wow. in that summer in 1968, I met a man who had a PhD and taught doctors and dentists how to use hypnosis and work privately. Now, I have to say that in those days, that was unheard of. Yeah. His name was Peter Blythe. And... Um, I found him fascinating and beautiful and all the daft things you do when you're 21 and he's 42. And, <laughs> um, well, you know the scenario, I'm sure. And I said, I'm really interested in this. And he said, everybody says that. And you'll either stick to me like super glue or you'll run away. And I decided to stick to him like super glue and really learned such a lot from um, the trainings that actually he was giving everybody else. So he used to um, 
in those days. It got a partner. His partner would circulate doctors and dentists in any region, and he would go up and down the country doing weekend trainings in hypnosis and how to use hypnosis inside your practice and so on. And I went on all those weekends, learning a lot as I went, being partner for the odd doctor and so on and so forth. And uh, there's a little bit in Brideshead Revisited where what the, the hero goes up to Oxford University and he talks about the low door in the wall to which there was no key and he wants to get into this sort of special uh, environment, if you will. And that's what Peter Bly did for me. He took yeah. me into this field that really I was a novice. I was 21 years old and uh, shouldn't have known anything. But very quickly I was on an international field as he started to go and train in Scandinavia, went to all those with him. And uh, sort of learnt an awful lot about life, about myself, about him, about the field um, at the time. And uh, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed myself. Learnt a lot. Learnt yeah. a lot. Yeah, Not yeah, always yeah. the best, but uh, in, in terms of personal feelings and what have you, you do awful things to yourself while you're on these pathways. But I, I, I don't regret a bit of it. No, he no, was no. Stone. He's dead now, and uh, all that. Um, so, so, so. I mean, this is some. This is you know, forty, forty something years oh, ago yeah. now. So, you know, this <laughs> so, is the, this yeah. is a long time. So, so tell me then. You know, in that time, in that time, where where are you at as far as hypnosis is is uh, you know is concerned? Um, well, um, how how do you define it? How do you how okay. did you arrive at that definition? And how do you how do you explain hypnosis to people that ask you about it, or clients, or your students? How do you how do you explain it today? Where are you at as far as that's concerned? The funny thing is that my explanation is very similar to what I learned from Peter, and a little bit different. In that, I don't think hypnosis is a particularly different state than quite a lot of people are in for quite a lot of the time. Mm. If I was to define it, I say it's a, an altered state where the gates to the unconscious mind are open to a greater or lesser degree. Um, but I think it comes in all forms. And I'm sure you know, Adam, that this huge argument in the field as to whether uh, what we work with is a separate state or not. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of the name of that gentleman who worked at Liverpool University. I should know it awfully well. I've met him two or three times. And he's really, he calls himself a reader at uh, Liverpool University. And he's adamant that it isn't a separate state. Yeah. You just think it sort of exists. And I used to, <laughs> when I was very young, I used to think, oh, God, this awful man, what a terrible things he's saying. But the older I've got, the more I'm agreeing with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I have a lot of people say that I'm an awful man for for, for, for kind of siding <laughs> with a with, with with more of a non-state um, mm. um, side. Okay. <laughs> so 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 tell me, like you mentioned Peter Blythe, um, yes. and, and obviously he sounds you know instrumental and pivotal to to to, to, to your career and to your education. So tell me, tell me about some of the some of the other influences as well. Some of the influences oh. you've had in this field. Some of the books and authors that have taught you. Yeah. Perhaps some of the teachers that have been influential upon yes. you, and so on. So, 
Certainly I will. But let me just tell you, contextualize Peter Blythe, because he started a thing in Chester back in the uh, early 70s called Blythe Tutorial College of Hypnotherapy and Psychotherapy. And Mm. that somebody came and helped him run it. And then that became the National College. And National College then was one of the cornerstones of the UKCP, that's United Kingdom Council for Psychotherapy, um, section, as they called it in those days, for um, hypnotherapy and psychotherapy, along with NSHAP, National School of Hypnosis and Psychotherapy. And then by that time, I'd started training. It was the most natural thing to do. People were on different registers and hadn't got um, enough postgraduate um, extra seminars and by this time it was 1984 and uh, I moved in to somewhere in Liverpool that I call Liverpool Holistic Health Centre that was my business and so I call my little training school centre training and uh, did lots of uh, seminar work if you will with already trained psychotherapists, hypnotherapists and so on that were really yeah. clamoring for extra training and then I turned my little school into having got enough people and enough trainings over enough years to actually put ourselves forward to UKCP ourselves, which we did. And I think it was uh, 1995 when Centre Training joined UKCP in an effort to maintain and let standards rise and so on. And um, so that's that's part of what you're asking me. And then you talk about influencers. Yeah. They're many and uh, various, because one of the things we did in, um, I did with Peter Blythe when he was going to Sweden, they had the very great John Hartland, who mm. wrote that I'm sure a lot of your um, listeners will have read, called Medical and Dental Hypnosis. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, t- today still, that the most recent updated version of the Heartland's textbook is the core text for our diploma. Um, right. um, I think it's in its, its fifth edition now. Um, um, but, but, but his legacy lives on through, his through that book. Yeah. What a lovely man. Um, oh, wow. Amazing that you got to meet and hang out with him. Oh, yes, I did. I went right round Sweden with John Hartland and... Um, uh, can I tell you one funny thing? Because yeah, it really was. We were in a, a place called Örebro, which is right in the middle of Sweden, sort of a long way up. And the only way we were going to get back down to where we got to go was was to go in a sleeper train. And our host was running up and down the platform trying to sort things out. And he said, uh, the only way I've got you on this sleeper train, he said, is for all three of you to share a sleeping carriage. So I thought, oh, right, okay. So in we piled. You know, everybody turned the backs while people took most of the clothes off. Peter Blythe slept, slept on the top. I got in the middle, and John Hartland got on the bottom bunk, and there we were. I was what like, a sandwich to be in. What a sandwich. What a sandwich to be the filling of. That was yeah. really good. And John was saying, I never <laughs> sleep on trains. I said, oh, John, you will, you will. And I just happened, because we'd gone through Amsterdam to have bought a bottle of gin. So I said, I'll make you a little nightcap. He said, it's <laughs> not gin, is it? I hate gin. I said, no, no, it's it's not gin. 
John. It'll just something that'll help you sleep. And poured in this <laughs> large gin, and I don't know what orange juice or something. You were, like, like, you were like Fagan. He had a he had a marvelous night's sleep. I'm not sure, <laughs> I did, but but he did. And and they were heady, beautiful days. And I have such fond memories yeah. of him. Went to his funeral, of course, in North Wales, where he lived, and uh, kind of I, I I miss him so. Very influenced by John, very yeah. influenced by Peter Blythe, and then other people as well. Somebody, I think it was one of my students, um, introduced me to the work of Dr. Albert Ellis, yeah. who they reckon was the founder of so certainly CBT, modern CBT, cognitive yeah, behavior and, and rational emotive behaviour therapy, yeah. Yeah, but I, I, I love his book called Reason and Emotion in Psychotherapy, yeah. and I do quite a lot of work out of that. Yeah, great. Uh, he's he's an interesting man now, dead of course, but he was a cornerstone of my training practice. Another group that I got an awful lot of, out of, and that that happened for very personal reasons, like a lot of these things do. When I I had a ch married and had a son in uh, 1980, and it must have been there for 1987, <clears throat> excuse me, when my husband and I parted company, and I thought, oh, my giddy aunt, what am I going to do with this child? My husband had been as much use as a chocolate fire guard one might. <laughs> but even so, I was alone with this little boy and thought what am I going to do why don't I go to parenting classes and so I went and joined a group called a parent network now that was run by an Englishman from Ormskirk and a New Zealander who he had married uh, Jackie Pearson and Ivan Sokolov he's dead now unfortunately and I learned such a lot of conceptual things from them that I, I just can't tell you how useful that was as an absolute cornerstone to my practice. And with their permission, all that material is in the back of my Nemodynamic Practitioner Manual, reprinted with their wow. permission, of course. And so that, that I took ages to get, is sort of given away in that book. Um, as it is in my other book, which is called Peace of Mind, Pathways to Successful Living, is a CD plus written out scripts, if you want to call them that, one of yeah. which is uh, another influence, uh, Dr. Don Ibrahim. He was a, a big influence on me in the Peter Blythe days. He was a practitioner in Coventry, and every Saturday morning, he did his children's hypnotic group. And I said, oh, Don, I'd love to come and see that. He said, you can come, but don't move a muscle. You can sit on the floor at the back, which I did behind a very large armchair, and watched him, listened to him more than watched him, how he worked with a group of children, with the power of suggestion, uh, and limiting, how he limited what child listened to him when. And he did that so cleverly. Shall I tell you what he did? Yeah, please, please. He, I'd love to he hear had, that. He got them all in a, a sort of altered state by painting a, a sort of word picture. Yeah. And uh, he got them all um, going on a, a boat. 
and the deep note was going down the stairs of this boat. He said, and I'm going to count from one to ten, and you go down the steps. Watch the cat on the second step. Then he counted <laughs> one to ten, and they'd go down these steps, and there at the bottom was this comfy armchair, and they'd snuggle back in their armchair, and you could see them all snuggling into the suttees and the couches and the armchairs in his um, consulting room. And then he said, now, when I put my hand upon your shoulder and when I use your name, then I am speaking to you. But the rest of the time, you're just enjoying this lovely boat ride. And so he went round them all one at a time with a lot of symptom removal, telling them what it was they wanted and needed in a positive fashion. It was, it was good. Brilliant. It was oh, I love hearing that. Privileged to have been a part of it and observed him doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. So some, some, some really, really wonderful people that you've, oh, that you've been involved in, um, um, you know, especially at these early stages of your career. Yes. Um, um, that, you know, it sounds amazing. It sounds amazing. I, I, you know, I love hearing this stuff. Um, um, tell me, throughout the years then, um, throughout the, the the years of of your career, you know, because you've been doing this from a, from a young age. Yeah, um, it's only twenty-one. Uh, you know, yeah. and it was a disadvantage. I have to say, I get much more credence now. I'm seventy-one, but if you add up the mathematics, that is fifty years. <laughs> yeah. I am longer in the tooth than I was, uh, but still <laughs> loving what I do. Um, I think part of that, you know, is about labelling, and there's something in that. Um, parent link material about labeling and and so i learned a lot from that and that is that i don't label what everybody calls work as work mm. i i think it's a way of life for me it's a way of life and i shall just do it until somebody up there turns the lights out <laughs> that, that's, that's well, i like that attitude and and um, yeah. I, I think one of the reasons i like that attitude so much is because it's it's very very similar to my own and, oh. and and you know i mean i've been doing i've been doing this for 22 years um yeah. you know so it's a kind of or well, full time for 22 years yeah. um which is you know a fraction of the time that you have yes. but yeah. um, um you know i i i i've got a couple of um, um you you've got a few years on there at the moment um, 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 <laughs> but but, i wasn't but, doing it full time to start with remember adam i was working in a school for eight years yeah but 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 but, but, but you know i started at a similar age to yes. you and oh, and, you? And, and, yeah. and and you know that's the one of the reasons i i love it and i find you know i find this real, these real parallels and i love i love the, the stories you know um, um, um I, I am i am when i promote this particular edition of the podcast what is going to be written on the blurb is Here's Sue's anecdote of sleeping with John Hartland. <laughs> okay, so, um, so so the reason I was saying this anyway, um, 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 what what what's been you know throughout those years, those fifty years, you know, tell me tell me about one of the most or, or as many as you like, uh, but but one of the most impressive applications of hypnosis that you've directly witnessed, you know, yeah. that you've that you've been in the room or that you've seen or that's happened to you or someone you know, that you've been observing or someone that you worked with clinically or therapeutically or on a training or something. Just just tell me. OK, there's a, there's a few. But the most hypnotic one was, uh, can I tell you about this? When I started Liverpool Holistic Health Centre, so that was in 1984, from which 
centre training was born and all those postgraduate courses that I told you about came about, I had a couple ring me from Runcorn, which is about 30 minutes along due east from Liverpool. And they said, will you see our little girl? Well, I was felt qualified to work with children. So I said, I said, of course I will. And what had happened was, if you can imagine how a baby is with its legs drawn up to its abdomen, her legs were drawn up like that. And her legs, I beg your pardon, were drawn up like that. And she was coming over to Liverpool to be fitted for boots at the children's hospital. So they were going to measure her feet and make make boots. Can you imagine making boots for baby feet turned sideways? That would be quite a task, wouldn't it, Adam? Yeah. That's what they were going to do. So she came along and a father carried her in. I was working in the big front room at that Rodney Street house. I can picture her now. And in she came, as light as a little feather she was, and he plopped her in the armchair and uh, I related to her as well as I could, like you do with young ones talking about this and that and her little baby brother and so on and so forth, a little bit about school. And I did a technique with her that somebody on one of my training seminars about visualization gave me, and I call it the magic garden. It's in the back of my peace of mind pathways to successful living it's on the cd that sticks in the back of the book and the script is there but it ran along something like put yourself in this magic garden um da 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 described it made it relaxing and so on you can picture all that and yeah. then what i want you to do is to go down to the bottom end of the garden where the tall trees are Tied to a tree with a big stout rope is a great big balloon filled with lighter than air gas. Swinging from the bottom of it is a big empty box, one of the kind of things that you will go a trip in. But actually, you're not going to go a trip in this. What I want you to do is to look around inside yourself and find something that you'd like inside yourself that you don't want there anymore. Have a look around, see if you can find something and nod if you find something. She nodded, she found this thing, she booted it out into the box, she nodded to tell me she'd done it. And then I asked her if there was anything else. No, there was nothing else. So the next task was to untie the big stout rope and watch it float off. I've remembered there's something I forgot to tell you about and that was not only were these feet turned in but her legs were ulcerated from top to bottom mm -hmm. so I thought right we'd better try and do something about this and in my magic garden I always put a fountain and a pool at the bottom of it like a big bath with yeah. sandstone sides and a sandy bottom so she went and she got she took herself and got into this bath let the water swish all over her skin and then through the top of her head and around her brain. So she was giving herself a general clean out internally and externally, having got rid of this thing that she wanted rid of. So they were quite a way away. They didn't come back the week after, or I think the week after that, they were coming back to collect the boots. So along they came, and her father said, all the ulceration has gone. She's not got anything on her legs anymore. They are perfectly clear. 
and her legs had gone from being very, very branched up like a like a, a, a little baby to straightening out a bit. And her feet, instead of being in at an angle of 45 degrees, were getting sort of flatter and flatter. She never, ever did wear those boots. Uh, she came mm. back a couple of weeks later to, to collect them and she didn't wear them. The father told me she'd become much, much more outgoing. The little boy had got one of those trolleys mm. you put, push bricks around in and uh, they discarded the bricks. The daddy had put a seat on it for her and she was scooting up and down the road and playing with the other children and uh, had got a much more outgoing character and the last time i saw her she said to me i can hop 32 <laughs> times <laughs> and that was wow. i saw her but she went from this curled up little introverted amazing creature. yes it was yeah. now that she never would disclose she didn't tell me didn't want to tell me i only asked her once she wouldn't tell me what she put in the box because if I can open a dialogue, I think it's a really good idea because it just sort of cements it at a different kind of level. But that was beautiful, all hypnotic, all in all state, and uh, almost like a nothing in a way. But having said that, it was a great something. Do you, do you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah absolutely. It was just a, a lovely thing to observe, yeah. be a part of, because I... I think about her and wonder how she's doing she'll be a woman now and yeah. uh well yeah. you know you know so some some of the most impressive evidence that we have to support this field um, um, um it even distinguishes and shows the difference between suggestion combined with active imagination as in the example that you gave here mm. it's so much more effective and is brought to life so wonderfully and then kind of you know especially when wrapped in the vehicle of hypnosis um yeah. and, and it's such a lovely lovely tale to hear um, yes. um, as far as that's concerned. Yes. Um, so, so Sue, if we could, if we could sort of turn back, turn back the clocks, and we could go back to when you started out, um, <laughs> you know, that 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 time ago, yes. um, and we could go back to when you started out, you know, these fifty years ago, um, 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 within the hypnosis world, knowing what you know now, you know, is there anything that you'd do differently, and and if so, what, and is there any advice that the person that you are today would give that younger you? Um, that you'd share to our listeners and hypnotherapists of today? Mm, that's a hard one. Did you see that programme about there's nothing like a dame recently? And uh, there were all the dames of the British theatre talking yeah. amongst each other. It was a delight. And then the interviewer said, what would you tell your younger self? And I think I would use a similar advice because Dame Maggie Smith said, well, I'd tell her not to get quite so involved and not to let her feelings in. And I mm. thought, how good that one is. But yeah. you, you, you know, you don't live life backwards, do you, Adam? You live no. it forwards and you give it your best shot. At the time you're doing whatever it is that you're doing, you're doing the best you know how with the variables you've got. And yeah. that's something I, I say to my clients quite often. You know, just just ease up on yourself because I think people do that for the positive outcome for themselves, the best they know how with all the variables they've got most of the time, 99% of the time I think they do that. And so therefore you've got to be a bit gentle with yourself. Mm. So there isn't a great deal I would do. I don't want to unwish anything because I remember a student of mine 
Dr. Steve Redmond, what a lovely man, and a GP in Liverpool. And he said, I don't want to unwish my marriage to da-da-da, because if I unwish a bit of it, I unwish all of it. Mm. I never unwish... It wouldn't, it wouldn't be what it is. Daughters, yes, that's right. Yeah. And he realised that by getting rid of a bit, by editing out a bit, you you ruin the whole, yeah. do you see? Because yeah. I don't think you can go back and do it differently. So most of the stuff I would leave just as it is because it will get me to where I am now and I'm happy and fulfilled and have a blissful, I live in bliss most of the time. <laughs> I love I that. I can feel that. It, <laughs> I'd make a fortune. But, <laughs> but I am by practising what I preach by keeping my excitement and, and joy at being alive. And yes, one gets the odd knock. One does get the odd knock. But maybe that's part of what happens to us to have in sharp relief what we've got left. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Now then, if people want to go and find out more about you, and your approach and your work and the things you can do where where can they go and learn more i mean we're going to speak to you a lot more in the second part of today's show um but 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 where can people just for now uh, where can people go to learn more about you your work and your approach yeah. well if people look on my website which is just suewashington.com yeah there's stuff on there and uh, there's also keys to get into my book and a price for getting into my book. But I would like to make an offer. May I do that, Adam? Yeah, of course you may. Um, my Peace of Mind book, is a, a, with the CD and with all the scripts in it, is £15. But anybody who buys it off the podcast can have it for a tenner. And uh, likewise, the Nemodynamic Practitioner Manual, which is my core thing, is up for £20. But if anybody wants it, they can have it for 15 And if somebody buys both, I'll send them post-free uh, because this is all my training from Centre Training School put into books. And people paid me over £1,000 for that. Yeah. And here it is for... 25 and yeah. i want it to be out there i want people to have it yeah. and if anybody, well that's lovely so so what should they do should they should they contact you yeah Google contact me. you and said heard you on the podcast with adam eason yes i'll put it i want to do that deal on trust oh, brilliant sale or return if they don't like it they can have the money back brilliant 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 yeah. Um, 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 lovely little sales pitch from Sue Washington <laughs> there. Um, um, love that, love that. So um, we are going to be back with Sue Washington. We're going to be discussing um, the, 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 the approach of Sue Washington. All these years combined, uh, we're going to get into Sue's expertise, her system, her process um, um, in the second part of this show. Stay tuned. We'll be back in a short while. <laughs> Thank you.
I really enjoyed that. One of the recommended core texts of my uh, my hypnotherapy diploma course is the Hartland's book of medical and dental hypnosis. Now, the latest edition is actually written by uh, by Heap and Aravind, um, but still carries the well-known and highly regarded Hartland title and moniker. Um, so I really, I could not stop smiling when Sue told me about her days traveling and teaching with John Hartland. I love that. Uh, more from Sue in a short while. Uh, I'm delighted to announce that we have a winner of our competition uh, that I've been speaking about in our previous two editions. Uh, thanks go to all three people who actually entered <laughs> um, on this podcast. You know, it gets thousands of listens each week. And yet we only had three people enter our competition. I'm just guessing. I'm having to assume that it was just the sheer reluctance of, of the masses of listeners that I have um, to actually want to write a review about the podcast that has put people off. Um, 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 yeah, anyway, anyway, the winner is Mr. Mark Williams. Well done, Mark. Um, I will be in touch with you with your tickets to this year's UK Hypnosis Convention, and I look forward to seeing you then. So onto this week's hypnosis in the news slot. In the previous couple of weeks, I've been discussing some pretty heavy duty media stories that have featured hypnosis. So this week, I wanted to sort of lighten it up a little bit, but also discuss a couple of recent celebrity success stories, um, especially because this was um, um, National, Mental, um, National Mental Health Day was this week. Um, our first story is uh, entitled Kira Knightley reveals hypnotherapy treated or uh, helped treat her panic attacks. Um, um, and so, you know, the, 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 this story cites the fact that more and more celebrities are opening up the mental health conversation, which is a good thing, um, um, and revealing, uh, the, the, you know, their own personal struggles. Uh, Kira Knightley is the latest to do so, and uh, she, she shared her struggle with anxiety. Um, and she confessed to The Hollywood Reporter that she suffered a debilitating mental breakdown back in 2007 and as a result was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder. And um, Knightley uh, attributes her breakdown to the pressure and the attention that came with fame, adding that the paparazzi um, exasperated the situation. And she's quoted as saying, it was big money to get pictures of women falling apart. Um, and Knightley told The Hollywood Reporter uh, during their awards challenge, podcast. Um, 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 she, she, she was kind of referencing Britney Spears' breakdown too. Um, eventually, her overwhelming anxiety built up. It took a serious toll on her. And she says, I did have a mental breakdown at 22. So uh, I did take a year off and was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder because of all of that. Um, um, now, to help her PTSD and her panic attacks on the red carpet, um, um, she credits hypnotherapy. Yay! And she says, I actually did hypnotherapy so that I could stand on the red carpet at the BAFTAs and not have a panic attack. Um, and she said, the hypnotherapy worked because I did stand there and I didn't have a panic attack. Great stuff. And it's great to read hypnotherapy helped, helped her. And equally great that Kira Knightley is raising awareness of mental health issues. Um, um, you know, wonderful stuff. And, and, and sort of flying in the face of some of the media depictions of, 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 of sort of mental health issues as well. Um, anyhow. Uh, the, the article then goes on to start talking a little bit about hypnotherapy, you know, and, and it says, you know, what is hypnotherapy? And they say hypnotherapies are different from traditional talk therapy in that, and I'll use their words, in that it puts you in a trance-like state to help you gain better control over your anxiety. 
Um, um, so, you know, that, that's not necessarily accurate. Hypnosis is, is not considered to be a trance-like state, according to many researchers. And in fact, referring to it as trance may reduce suggestibility, according to some, some pretty solid research. Um, I've recorded a video on this topic, and I'll include it in the notes for this week's episode um, about referring to hypnosis as trance and, and kind of likening hypnosis to trance. Anyway, within the article, psychotherapist Paul Hokemeyer, PhD, also goes on to say the following, I'll quote, by inducing a state of deep relaxation um, through breathwork, guided meditation or yoga practice, the clinician gains access to the patient's subconscious thoughts. Okay, so I don't really think hypnosis is fully correlated to relaxation, as so many hypnotherapists claim. Um, I've spoken on this particular subject before a great number of times, so I'm not going to repeat myself majorly here today. Um, um, You do not need relaxation to benefit from hypnosis, and there is evidence to show that hypnosis and relaxation are not actually correlated. Again, I've recorded a video on this topic. Um, um, If you're inclined to explore this further, you want to examine some of the facts and the science around the relationship between hypnosis and relaxation. Anyway, our second story today, our second celebrity story, is that Strictly's Karen Clifton has revealed that she's had hypnotherapy to get over her split with husband Kevin Clifton. Um, I've got to be honest, it's nice to be discussing UK's Strictly Come Dancing TV show and not be talking about Sean and Katia, who kissed in public and have caused front page furore in the media. Anyway, this story is about Karen and Kevin Clifton. And Karen Clifton, she's been back on the Strictly dance floor uh, on Saturday nights here in the UK after her split from husband Kevin Clifton, who's also a dancer on the show. Um, I mean, she has recently revealed that it's taken regular hypnotherapy sessions to get her in a good place following her her separation. And she's opened up about receiving therapy um, and having hypnotherapy to treat her anxiety. Um, um, She told the Mail on Sunday, I've taken a big hit. I had to realise that I'm 36 years old. I'm not a kid and it's taken me a lot of therapy and life coaching to get through this. I found it really difficult. Uh, So, uh, you know, I'm sorry to read of their split, um, um, but I'm also delighted to read that hypnotherapy has helped her to get through it and that she's benefiting from it and that hypnotherapy is being portrayed as useful and effective in this, this, this second high profile snippet. Uh, There are links to these stories over at this episode's page of the Hypnosis Weekly website. Um, Next up then we have this week's professional discussion. Um, A welcome back, Sue Washington. Um, You would have got some good insight into the woman that she is and the career that she's had in our previous section. Um, Now we're going to talk about her approach. We're going to discuss some of the principles, the ethos, the applications of the Sue Washington method. Here is this week's professional discussion with this week's guest, Sue Washington. Enjoy. So I'm back and joined once again with this week's guest, Sue Washington. And this week we're talking uh, all about the Sue Washington method. Sue, welcome back. Tell us, tell us first of all, you, you know, what, what, what is the method? What is the approach? First of all, give us, a, give us an overview if you like. Okay, I'll do my best. Um, I started doing this in my days with Peter Blythe. I told you I trained as a school teacher. And in training as a school teacher, my training was art. I 
trained as an art teacher. So you can imagine oh. I was interested in the visual and sort of three-dimensional. Uh, Bretton Hall was renowned for its work in the art and music department, and I did both. So having started at this art, as this art teacher, it was natural that my method, if you want to call it that, was a bit arty, was a bit visual. And I started to visualize, get people to visualize things onto a screen out from themselves. Yeah. So before I'd heard of NLP, but to give them distance and to give them objectivity to what it was they were looking at. Yeah. And Peter Blythe observed me doing this. He got me doing a little a demonstration on one of his Swedish courses and he went very quiet afterwards and I said what are you thinking he said oh that's very well Sue he said but when you read from Freud's collected papers of 1925 and you jolly well knew exactly where it was you will read what he says about people getting better, and they get better from things when they relive with feeling. That's how they get better. And he was right. And so I bought, I got that book from the library. I queued up at Preston Library and had my name on a list for absolutely ages. And when I got this book, it hadn't been out since 1923. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't exactly popular, was it? <laughs> I found this quote and I typed it out and it's all um, in the back of my Nemodynamic Practitioner Manual. Do you want me to read this little bit? It's about yeah, yeah, go for it. sentences. Yeah. And he's talking about, it, he uses sweet old-fashioned words because it was done in 1890-something or 19... 100 and odd, yeah. 10, 20. And he talks about the what we would call the traumatic events or the difficulty. He talks about it, calls it the exciting event. But that's right, what yeah. it means. And he talks about symptoms as being hysterical symptoms. So if anybody wants this and they email me, I'll email it back to them. So he says... When we had succeeded in bringing the exciting event to clear recollection and had also succeeded in arousing with it the accompanying affect, he means the feeling, yeah. and had expressed this feeling in regard to it in words, the various hysterical symptoms disappeared at once, never to return. Recollection without affect is nearly always quite ineffective. The original psychical process must be repeated as vividly as possible, brought into the here and now, and then talked out. In the case of excitation phenomena, the symptoms appear again during this repetition in full intensity and then disappear forever. Mm. That is what. Now, I don't do it straight on and bald, and that sounds like a head-on collision, doesn't it, in terms of looking at your feelings. What I've learned and what I do now to make it easier for people is to get them to list what the feelings are. I take very special note what the feelings are. I've just done a session just before lunch, or was it just after lunch, but where a lady came out and she did... 10 or 12 feelings so it's not one big 
while trauma, I'm getting her to work with them a little bit at a time, making it accessible, putting the thing into sort of bite-sized chunks, as it would say in the dog or cat adverts. <laughs> do you see what I mean? And yeah. I think you can do it like that. So in the pattern of what I do, there are a lot of bits and a lot of stages through the process of what you are calling my method. So question one is, if I ask you to sit there and close your eyes and put a TV screen out there with a picture of you on it, Jane, aged 27, would you be able to do that? Hmm. That's the question. And if they say yes, I proceed. And if they say no, I don't. It's as simple as that. The, the question, can they do that, gives the consent for the process. Do you see, Adam? Yeah, yeah I can see that. It works perfectly well if they say oh no i don't think i could do that uh then i will listen i'll reflectively listen quite a lot more yeah. but i do remember one man can i tell you about my man who killed yeah. chickens down the road he because i always wanted what i did to work with the guy in his wellies you know not just the middle class upper end of the market yeah. and the whole troop this man young man and I said, what, what's the matter? What's going on? Well, he says, I keep getting drunk on a Friday night. And then on a Saturday morning, I wake up and I'm in a police cell. I can't carry on like this. It's, I'm too angry. So I thought, well, there you go. You know, there he was um, owning up, wasn't he? So I said, I asked him about visualization. And he said, no, no, he couldn't visualize. Now, I then went back to the NLP model, and one of the things I did in that, and also did with the parent network, is to use the word sense instead of look at. Mm. So sense that thing. So I said, yeah. well, all right, so you can't, can't see him. Can you, can you think how he would feel? Can you make a sense of it out there? I said, oh, yes, I could do that. So we, we started there. And he did all sorts of things by, by, and his anger subsided. And a question I ask when somebody returns for the second session, I say, all right, you've, you've done that. If on a scale of naught to 10, you were at naught when you walked up the path, which you weren't, but if you were at naught and 10 is where you want to be, it's very NLP, isn't it? But that's what I asked them. How would you score yourself? So he came back after session one saying, oh, I'm three out of 10. Then he came back the next time, five out of ten, and then the next time, seven out of ten. And each time we were going back and looking at things where he'd been angry, most mm. of it being around his mother and his family and being bullied at school and all this kind of stuff. You can picture the scenario, I'm sure. Mm. But by the end, he got up to nine out of ten, or maybe ten out of ten. And uh, he said to me, do you know, he said, I think I can visualize in my own touchy-feely way. <laughs> was, yeah, how nice was that? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah lovely. Sort of ways and language of using to sort of get round hitches, but they are refinements. It's all in my Nemodynamic Practitioner Manual, and anybody yeah. who's got the core therapeutic skills and can do the rapport skills, will be able to follow that manual. They yeah. will. 
Yeah. And every now and again, I get a little group together and do a master class. So when you said, where can people go to find out a bit more? And that's what they can do. Yeah. Just drop me an email. And when I've got half a dozen, we'll do it. And yeah. I just I just like that very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so I get a real good sense of what it is and how it came to be. Is that... I mean, you, you mentioned you mentioned Freud there, and some of the some of the kind of influence of of Peter Blythe sort of pointing out some of Freud yes, to you there. It is. Is, it, so, is, is it a kind of Freudian philosophy that underpins it, or is there is there a, a kind of different a, a different philosophy or a notion behind it? I think it is basically Freudian, but with much more modern things thrown in in terms of rapport skills, in terms of distancing that now is in the NLP model, in very careful use of clean language, in building rapport skills and so on and so forth. Right, and then yeah. at the end of that, future pacing, which also is out of the NLP model. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And because... I've got another Freudian quote, if I can give it yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, do. In the end, if the situation of repression can be successfully reproduced in his or her memory, his or her compliance will be brilliantly rewarded. The whole difference between her age then and now works in her favour. And the thing from which her childish ego fled in terror will often seem to her adult and strengthened ego no more than child's play. In other words, by getting the thing out into the now, you can do it. Mm. It was the little one that couldn't do it. They just yeah. couldn't do it. And into that, of course, is all neurological development. The fact that if you're following a, a model of child development like Piaget, he's he tells you very clearly that up to the age of 10, your brain is still developing. Yeah. Anything that happens pre-10, you will take awfully personally, not because there's anything wrong with your processing, but just that your brain hasn't grown to size to be able to do it. And that's why when parents are arguing in front of a child, the child thinks, oh, my goodness, me, if it wasn't for me, they wouldn't be arguing. Yeah. They think it's their fault. Yeah. They process it in terms of themselves, whereas actually the parents are probably just working it out yeah and yeah. another thing i got from don ibrahim he used to use this in all his um seminars on working with children and he used to say very clearly mummy and daddy love you and that goes on forever and ever and nothing can ever alter that mm. Mm. yeah and when can put that in I do it because I'm a parent you're a parent I think Adam and yeah. um, you know how you love your offspring yeah and that is what I say yeah. and uh, you know I've heard people I've heard Don Ibrahim saying that well people argue with that well not all parents love their children but as I've got older and uh I've looked about, I've developed a, a, a rather strange view. And another thing to say about that is my second degree, my first master's degree was in evolutionary and behavioral ecology. And a thing that the penny gradually dropped, that actually all the children of the world are all 
our children. They mm. belong to all of us. And so if your birth parent can't do it because they can't do it for some reason or other, you are still highly likely to be loved by a lot of other people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, that's lovely there. I, I completely forgot, um, as is sometimes the case with me, I completely forgot that I was actually doing a podcast for a moment there and I started engaging uh, <laughs> in what you were listening, what you were talking about and thinking about, <laughs> about, about, about my own kids and so on. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, one of the things, one of the things I love, I was really taken with something that you said to me when um, when we when we had a conversation um, um, privately, we were you and I were on the telephone together and we were just talking, and um, and one of the things you mentioned to me is that, that you know after these years after these years of working, I'm really keen um, to kind of to kind of share my experience, to share my knowledge with the world, and 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 have my methods out there and 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 so on, and and, and I really I really like that. What where are you at with this now? You know, what, what's the future of it? The future of um, your method, your approach and so on? Well, you know, you do cascade that down, don't you? I've taught a lot of people over the years and those people have taken that and run with it. And there's a preface, a really lovely preface written for me by one of my trainers called Adrienne Cutner Green and her husband George Green and um, it, it's the little introduction in Peace of Mind Pathways to Successful Living and she talks about how she took this thing from me and uh, she talks about me as being this woman and her being this little person, this little lost person with no clothes sense. They, they do it in terms of, of clothes and how she looks in the mirror one day and realizes how bright and bubbly she is and she carries on and she finds this little person huddled into a doorway and sort of cascades it down, do you see? So I think what I'm saying, Adam, is that the energy's out there. I've dedicated my life to that and it is out there. If anybody wants more from me, they can get it. Yeah. There's stuff on the web. Oh, and another thing that I'm doing, I haven't told you this bit, I'm going to put my whole course onto Udemy. Right, cool. So that people can go on and I will have trained it in front of a, into camera and in front of a, of a screen and I will just sit and do it in bits yeah. but the whole course is there it's in both the books anyway but I will do it in a live format like that because some people work and yeah. learn better that way I just want everybody to have it because yeah. it works so well and in half a dozen sessions plus or minus one so that's five to seven and if the therapist does this nemodynamic work at every session they will help the person get totally clear of yeah. any symptom. Great, great. And so the place for them to go to learn more about that, suewashington.com, and then they can f find their way around yes, and, and yes. get in contact with can, you. Yes, at least they can telephone me and I'll do what I can to yeah. uh, unscramble yeah. everything that might have got in their minds. And if anybody wants these two books in the way I've said, £25 for them both post-free, um, I they are on Amazon, but I beg you not to do it that way. Amazon totally. Uh, what can I say? 
takes advantage of the author, shall we say, so that you they want to buy the book at forty percent. You know, they're a bit naughty. Yeah. And um, anyway, I think somebody's getting a good good enough deal that way, and uh, post free as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's smashing. That's smashing. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, I've, I've I've really enjoyed having you on the show. You know, as I said to you, I said to you off air. I really like when I speak to people, regardless of their stance, their position. You know, you know what, what I love. Um, I, I love it when I get to meet people that are real characters. <laughs> um, um, and, and you know I really find you to be a character a really agreeable character you know you're oh, a really you. colourful <laughs> lady um, um, all that remains for me to say is uh, Sue Washington thanks for coming on the show thanks for sharing your time your advice your wisdom and your experience um, 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 it's been great having you on the show and thank you very much for having me Adam it's an absolute pleasure and let's carry on talking perhaps if you get to this neck of the woods we can meet up that will be extra specially nice I would love that I would love that I really enjoyed that. Uh, it was lovely speaking to Sue. Very passionate about this field and was just lovely. Really lovely when we spoke off air and uh, and on the telephone. Um, next up then, uh, evidence-based hypnosis factoid of the week is this. Uh, that hypnosis can create and recreate erotomania delusion. So erotomania is the delusional belief that one is loved from afar by another person. And so uh, this study by um, Atwell, Cox, uh, Barnier and Langdon uh, in 2011. Um, um, you probably recognise Amanda Barnier. She's, she's, she's been a prolific researcher, um, in particular looking at hypnosis um, and delusion. Anyway, within this study, they used hypnosis as a, as a novel cognitive neuropsychological research tool to model erotomania. Um, and the authors developed two versions of a, a hypnotic-induced erotomania, so, so an, a, a hypnotic erotomania suggestion. And they tested the impact of those suggestions by, by asking subjects to recall and interpret a story featuring rather ambiguous scenarios. And they also challenged the delusion by asking the subjects to kind of justify their beliefs and they defended that. The hypnotic erotomania suggestions successfully recreated the features of clinical delusion, you know, clinical delusions for many subjects. Um, they truly believed that the target loved them and they interpreted ambiguous information consistent with this belief and, and, and they, they confabulated evidence in service of the delusion. Um, and and these, these, these features, they're strikingly similar to clinical cases and they highlight the value, um, and once again, of using hypnosis to model clinical delusions. There is a link to that research paper um, I'm included on this episode's page of the Hypnosis Weekly website. Um, and if you follow me on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram, you can find masses of memes relating to studies whereby hypnosis has been used to recreate uh, um, um, clinical delusions of, of a variety of kinds. Um, um, fascinating stuff, an area that I've really uh, explored and examined a great deal in recent weeks. Um, so that is it for this week's 96th edition. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Um, um, I do have many more exciting guests that I'm going to be welcoming to Hypnosis Weekly in coming editions. Uh, we'll be discussing, debating, celebrating and above all remaining friends. Uh, next time out, I welcome Alexia Elliott to the show. Uh, it's going to be 
going in a very different direction. Uh, we're going to be talking about hypnosis and shamanism. All the references made in the discussions, along with related links, are posted at each episode uh, uh, on the Hypnosis Weekly website, www.hypnosis-weekly.com. I absolutely welcome your thoughts, comments, suggestions and questions, so do please message me or add them on the Hypnosis Weekly website. I'll make sure they are addressed, answered and explored accordingly. Please do share this podcast on Facebook, Twitter and anywhere else. Really help us reach the hypnosis field. Thanks again go to Sue Washington, this week's guest, and thanks to you for tuning in. Thanks also to Ollie Eason, age six, and Bella Eason, age five, for their cameo roles in today's episode. My name is Adam Eason. This has been Hypnosis Weekly. Until next time, goodbye for now. Mm-hmm.